Welcome back to Real Voices of the Game Productions. I'm Dave D'Agostino, and I'm joined by my co-host and star of this show, this Bob Schaefer. Touch them all, episode 246 on the network. Before we get to Bob, just want to thank our faithful followers, 73 countries right now. We added Cuba last week. Um, thank to, thanks to Victor Mesa Jr. And we are very happy with the support we're getting and want to make sure that we can continue to provide you guys with the great content that we're giving every week with shows just like Bob's with Touch Them All. Uh, with that, Bob, welcome back to your show. Good to have you back. Great episode last week. But I, what, what the audience loves about your shows is it's depth over breadth, where you see a lot of these podcasts out there, none on our network, but in general, the sports landscape, they just spread it real thin on the top and you don't get into anything deep where you're deep diving into this stuff and giving our audience information uh, from years of experience. Uh, I wish Major League Baseball would follow the lead of our podcast and, and uh, take advantage of guys like yourself. But uh, audience loves what you're doing. So what do we got in store today? Well, I appreciate that. I think uh, to tell you, talk, a little, talk a little about defensive strategy. We'll start with the runner on third, one out. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, yeah, the idea about a gambler playing the infield in with one out, you know, runner on third base, just third base on, not second and third, just third. <coughs> the gamble is, is debatable, especially early in the game. Um, if you play the infield back and concede the run, that's kind of like the accepted way. In other words, give them one run for an out. But a lot of times that run you give up early in the game is a run that means the difference in winning or losing. <clears throat> so first inning is tough to stay play in because you got uh, third and fourth hitters coming up. But I say that the, if you play the infield in, runner on third, one out, <clears throat> and I say in, I mean four depth. We talked before, there's, there's four depths that the infielders play. One depth is all the way back. Two depth is uh, double play depth, which is just behind probably two, three steps behind the baseline. And all these depths <clears throat> are basically determined by the speed of the runners. Right, the three depth is halfway, basically in the baseline. And the four depth is on, on the grass, just playing for the guy at home plate. So runner on third with one out, of course, with one out, he may go on contact. So I say if you play in, you're going to lose a little range, uh, a little bit range. But the thing is, if you play in, you got a chance of keeping that guy from going home. If you play uh, back, any ground ball is going to score a run. So, again, by playing in, if you give up base hit because you're in, it really only hurts you if that runner scores from first base. So, in other words, if I played back, I, I get the out. Now, if I play in, with the idea I'm going to get, you know, save a run. But if it goes through the infield, it becomes a hit. And the infield range is a little bit not as bad as people think it is, but what hurts you when you play in is more like the bloops over your head. You can't get back and catch them. So, anyway, if you, uh, you play the infield in, you cut down that run. And uh, another thing about playing the infield in, I think hitters have a tougher time hitting with the infield in. They try to hit a fly ball, and a lot of times they pop up or swing and miss. And it's, it's tough to drive it. You know, they try to drive it. It should be, be honest with you, for me, you should try, try to drive it through the infield because you get that short, quick swing down into the ball. You'll probably get a line drive or a long fly ball anyway. But if you just try to hit a fly ball, a lot of times, you know, like I say, you pop it up or maybe strike out. <clears throat> um. Again, if you uh, play the infield in, if this contact play is on, you know, you can you know shut that down. A lot of more teams are using a contact play. And a contact play is you run on contact, run on third, one out. You run on contact trying to beat the throw home. 
<clears throat> and if it's you know two or three steps either side infielder or it's high chopper, you're going to score a run. Not much you can do about that defensively. But it's, to me, the contact play is a good play offensively. But to cut it down defensively, if you play in, <clears throat> you can maybe get a good shot at throwing them out of home plate. <clears throat> now, of course, with nobody out, uh, you know, you, you should play three depth. In other words, play back deeper because with nobody out, the runner in third, he's not going to try to score unless it's through the infield. But I see a lot of big league games now, man in third and nobody out, and they play the infield on the grass and lose a little bit of range. And I don't understand what the reason for that is. I think it's an analytical thing. Some Somebody said that, you know, you got to play all the way in. But to me, it's bad baseball. So I say you play infield in, runner on third, not second and third, just runner on third, and keep that runner staying at third base rather than try to, you know, give him an easy run by playing back. Now, uh, with runners on second and third, a little more risky to play the infield in on the grass because now you maybe two runs to score on the ball through the infield. So I would say, man, on second and third, I would uh, either go back to, you know, three depth or maybe all the way back just to keep the runner on second from uh, – Scoring. So again, a lot of this depends on the score of the game. Also, I mean, if you're if you're up a run or two, there might be more than two runs. You probably going to give them the run for an out. You trade a run for an out, so play back. But one run game, or if you're behind, you can't give them another run. I say play the infield in and keep them from getting a cheap run on the ground ball. <clears throat> so again, you know, I can't say it more often or enough, but with a run on third and uh, nobody out, you got to play halfway, which is three depth. <clears throat> I like that. And the point that you made, which I think people often overlook, is when they're bringing the infield in, they're very concerned about the the angles and their range on the ground. But I've seen it, and I'm glad you brought it up, I've seen it more often than not. It's the little blooper that kills them. Right. Um, that Because they're not necessarily bringing the outfield in to match that uh, infield range depth. So there's, you know, you're talking another 25 feet maybe um, that, that a uh, – kind of lost in, in the shuffle there. So that's a great point you made. Now, he's second and third now from a defensive standpoint. You said, again, it depends on score, you know, time of the game. But you mentioned with one out, you'd play him three depth, which is halfway for our audience. Why Why halfway? What? Um, what's the positives and negatives of that? Well, actually, second and third, I'd either play all the way in if you can't afford to give him one run. If you can't give him two runs, I'd play, you know, basically two depth, maybe one depth. I'd play all the way back. Just give him the run off third, but you don't want a ball to go through an infield. You want to try to keep the ball in the infield, right? Keep them from getting two runs rather than getting one run, right? Except another thing too is when you when you play the infield in on the four depth, uh, you should peek at the runner on third. If he's not even trying to go on contact, or probably a coach should do it or will do it. You peek at him, and you can tell if he's going to go on contact by the lead he takes and an aggressive secondary lead he takes. <clears throat> so if you're playing a four depth, and all of a sudden you see that he's on making an attempt to go home. Maybe a big slow guy or just not trying to, you know, not going in contact and slide back to three depth. Yeah, like I said, you don't lose a lot of range. I mean, we call it the pie principle. When the ball comes off the bat, it goes off like in a pie. In other words, it's a triangle. So the closer you are, you got to get to the ball quicker. And the deeper you are, you got more time to get to that same ball. So a lot of times, you know, you got to get infielders really quick and gets a good jump on the ball. You can almost catch almost all the balls that are hit on the ground. But again, that can catch all of them because you know your, your angle is a little bit different. But I just think that they not giving an easy run with an easy ground ball, and like I said, I think the hitters 
it affects the hitters a lot having a guy to infield in. I mean, you watch a major league game, and uh, you know a lot of times, you know, guys just can't put the ball in play. They try to hit a fly ball, and they end up fouling a couple off, and end up striking out, or they pop it up. So I, again, and what you lose, really a big factor is if you only lose like the guy gets a base hit that wouldn't normally be a base hit. I think a one-time percentage of a guy scoring from first base would one out of like 16%. Now, I don't know what the stats are nowadays, but at one time it was 16%. So if you got a good pitcher on the mound, you're not going really to be worried about that base hit the guy gets, you know, because it was through the infield instead of at the uh, field if he was playing deeper. That's, that's a, no, so there you go. You can match numbers with numbers on that. I'm sure it's not too different now, although the stolen base is a little skewed now, as we know the bigger bases and the control of the pitcher's looks. <clears throat> now you're talking defense. Now, when going back to run around third and the other team's running a contact, like probably not going to run it with no outs, as you mentioned, but with one out, yeah. possibility. I mean, if they run it with no outs, they're stupid. I don't mind. I mean, you don't run with no outs. You can't get thrown at home play for the first out. Right. So they, they won't run unless it's through the infield. First team, the third base coach says to the runner, make it go through. So <laughs> And it'll make it, you know, make it go by the pitcher, number one, make it go through the infield. If there's, yeah. you know, if it's halfway. And freeze on the line drives. See it right. through. Um, balls to the outfield, get back. <laughs> so, so question though, when you're doing the, when you're doing the contact play, thinking about it from the offensive standpoint, I think the defensive stuff, I think a lot clear to our audience. If you're on the other side of the ball now where you're running a, a contact play with your guy on third, What's your messages to him? You know, let's say, obviously, if the ball is put to the ground, he's going, but something right back to the pitcher. Um, is he reading that? If it's a, if it's, if he's dead to rights at home, what does he do? What are, what are some cues you give them, or what do you practice to help make that play effective? Well, first of all, the contact play is a gamble, almost like that squeeze is a gamble. But you got to get a uh, secondary, aggressive secondary lead and just uh, anticipate the ball hitting, hitting, the, hitting the ground ball. Once it's on the ground, you take off. Now, if that's somebody, you're going to be caught, probably going to be out. So what you do is stop halfway, get in a rundown, long enough for the, maybe the guy on first, the runner on first to get to third base, and batter runner get to second base. Doesn't always work, but that that's your that's the method of what you want to try to do anyway. But, again, if you can beat it, and a lot of times you can beat it because it's like, you know, two, three hopper, or left to right, three, four steps or whatever. And uh, I don't know, I used to use the contact play all the time. I mean, you have to have a guy that has some kind of speed, not a real slow guy, and a guy's a good baseman that can read the ball off the bat. I know, like, when I was with the Cardinals, George Kissel, I talked about him many times when I first got there, down at the cage, he had guys standing outside the cage and reading the ball off the bat. You see the ball hit the bottom of the bat, you're gone. And uh, like I said, George Kissel was a genius, should be in the Hall of Fame. We've talked about that before. But anyway, uh there's just techniques that you use as a base runner. And again, you practice that during batting practice. You'll know, get a group on third base doing contact play and just seeing the ball, read it off the bat and get a good jump. The base coach will allow the guy not to get, not to get picked off. In other words, if you're coaching third, you got to, you know, you got to trust the third base coach because he's your eyes. The third baseman sneaks in behind you as the pitcher delivers ball. He's got to say careful, which means the contact play is off because the pick off is probably on. So it's just, uh, you know, it's an instinct, but it's a it's a, a skill that really can win a lot of games. And a lot of times, you go in contact, you're safe at home, and the batter runners are safe at first base. So now you got an inning going. So it's it's a 
And so there's a lot of pluses to it, a few negatives. It's a line drive to the third baseman. You're probably going to be double off, but that's part of that's part of the uh, chance you have to take. Yeah. No. I like. What about? Um, and I, I love the play as well. I, I loved it as a player because it was aggressive. And I think anytime you're aggressive, not reckless, but aggressive, you um, you put the defense on their heels and force them to make plays. And if they make plays, God bless them. They're going to have to do it again. The more times you make teams make plays, I think the as you know, not to be old fashioned here, but victory tends to favor the team that makes the fewest mistakes. And if you can make teams play faster than they are used to playing, I think that's to your advantage. What about second and third now? Do you did you ever employ, uh, or did did you do you advocate employing the contact play with second and third? And when do you? No, I think second and third is the best time to do a contact play. But again, you have to have a sign with a runner on second base. You know what I did is. If it's the contact play was on, to let this, the runner on second know it's on. Of course, you talk to the runner and tell him his contact's on. But to tell a runner on second base the contact's on, I used to rub down my right leg, which is close to the home plate. And if it's not on, I go to my left leg, which is away from home plate. And just look at the runner and just look at him and just you know rub down your leg or on your chest or whatever and tell him that you're going. The runner on third goes, the guy in second's got to go also. He doesn't have to get a bigger jump, but... If the ball is hit to the shortstop a little bit in a hole where he can't throw the guy to home, the runner on third, uh, second should not get thrown on third. He's got to read that ball and stay at second base. But if it's hat somebody and they see the play is going to be thrown home, the runner on second has got to be on third. Got it. No, that's uh, – and, and I, I like I'm, – I'm with you. I like practicing this stuff and batting practice because guys get live reads off the bat. There's nothing better than that. But you mentioned working on it in the cage, too, with uh, George Kissel. Uh, explain that again, because I like that. I wrote that down. I always get one tidbit for my practices every day from what, this podcast. So, you know, I know we've got an audience of 40,000 plus, but you certainly <laughs> know you've got a captive audience of one every time you're talking. So talk about that. How do you set it up? Well, he used to talk to us about Lou Brock, who was a great base runner and great base dealer. He'd go down to the cage and be outside the cage, of course, and just watch the ball off the bat. He wouldn't actually take a lead. He'd just stand there and, you know, in a leading position. But he'd be outside the cage and watch a guy hitting in a cage. And when he saw the ball on the bottom of the bat, he would react. And, uh, I mean, that's Lou Brock. That's why I wonder he's going to have a base runner. But uh, little things like that, you know, you, you don't waste opportunities. That's a good opportunity to read the ball off the bat. And, of course, you're outside the cage, so you're not going to get hurt. But you, you get a good feel, a good good read, and good you know good look, look at what you're looking for. <laughs> I like it. I, I think, and then the, the cue to the batter is, you know, if the contact plays on, he knows where he hit it. I mean, if he hit it, hit it right, right at the shortstop and the guy looks dead to right, nothing changes. Three strides, find the ball. Got to pay attention to his base coach, but his cue is put your head down and run, right? We want him at least on second base. If not, yeah. the guy yeah. gets quick to run down. Yeah. The batter, you know, the batter's got to run hard. Like he doesn't know. I mean, I, I always let the batter know the contact play on. I always had a sign. So, you know, he worried about just by driving a ball on the ground, take his chances. I mean, to me as a hitter, if you think about driving a ball on the ground, especially with two strikes, a lot of good things are going to happen. First of all, you're probably going to make contact. And a lot of times you hit a long line drive or, you know, I've seen home runs, guys just trying to hit the ball on the ground with two strikes. But putting the ball in play, we talked about last week, I think, about, you know, strikeouts are kill you. Strikeouts are bad. But especially with a man on third base and less than two outs, you got to put the ball in play. you got to hit it somewhere. And rather than try to hit a long fly ball, I think that hurts some guys because they end up uppercutting and they pop up and uh, they get nothing. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you what we, and this is 
This is also a message to the young kids out there. We're in this era of home runs or strikeouts. <clears throat> Bob, you just talked about a scenario where if you've got a good contact guy up there and you have the contact play on, there's a no win for them. If, if you've got a guy, if you play the infield in, we've got a guy that just sounded, you know, finding that hole in the alpha, that little, you know, that little soft liner in the outfield. That's, that's the biggest issue. But if you play him back and he's a good contact guy, those are guys that can hit ground balls when and whatever they want. So message to the kids out there, being a contact guy, as you're hearing Bob describe this and we're expanding our reach globally, uh, I think baseball is going to get back to being smarter with some of these situations. Uh, as you know, as you said, you see, you know, people, people uh, running that, that one scenario where there's no outs and they've got somebody playing on, they got the whole team playing on the grass that that's classified under the uh, heading of stupid. Um, <laughs> I'll take that from you. You, you, you. I let you classify that one. I agree. So start becoming contact guys again. Uh, power comes when you, you know, contact guys can develop power. Power guys cannot become good hitters. I'm a firm believer of that. Um, so what else we got with, with contact plays? Or well, we used to say, you know, getting back to hitting, you know, we yeah. say, you know, hit the ball hard. Don't worry about hitting the ball far. Far will take care of it if you hit the ball hard. And you got to make good contact. And like I said, a strikeout never scored a guy from third. Never took a bad hop. So with two strikes, I always told my players that get closer to the plate, take away that outside pitch that you can't reach, and drive the ball on the ground. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of good hitters. But, you know, baseball is getting back to the speed game because I think what they've done with the uh, pitchers moves to first base. But speed is the most important skill anybody can have to help you win games. I mean, it helps you offensively, helps you defensively. And, again, with a uh, hit, I mean, with a – uh, contact play, the faster you are, the better chance you have making making uh, scoring a run on a contact play. And uh, like I saw the Yankee game the other day, and uh, what's his name, uh, Stan got bad legs, and he just was jogging. Oh, that was it's awful. A, it was awful. But I mean, <laughs> it's better than getting hurt, I guess. But I mean, it's just I'm watching and I see, you know, there's something wrong with this this picture here. I mean, it was a routine. RBI single, basically anybody in the world would have scored, but he was jogging all the way from second base and jogged home and gave up. And it was, it was terrible, but you know, again, his legs are bad and all that kind of stuff, but uh, it's just, you know, kind of anti-baseball, but uh, again, he's better off being healthy and playing and being hurt and sitting in the dugout. Yeah. Well, talk, talk to that a little bit. Now you got a guy that you know is hurt and I know we're going to segue into base coaching as well. This is probably a good, a good way to do it, but you're the third base coach and we're not picking it. I think they've got a good third base coach. Um, I mean, what do you, what do you do in that situation? That's a ball in the gap where the outfielder had to, I mean, he had to run 25 yards to his, his glove side, pivot and throw against his body. And I mean, he, he threw him out by 20 feet at home plate, a little eager. Uh, how, how do you handle third, that coach? Well, if you're third base, you got to say, who do, who, who do you want the fans to boo me or the, or the runner? Cause you don't <laughs> send them. They're going to boot the hell out of you. But I don't think that he thought he was going to be that slow. I thought that he'd pick up a little speed once he got going. You know, making a turn to third is where he's going to get hurt. Once he gets in a straightaway line toward home, I would have thought he might have sped up a little bit. But he just jogged all the way. And it's embarrassing to the third base coach. But, <clears throat> again, he's got to keep him healthy. And it's just an unfortunate situation. But, again, if he held him, he would have got booed out of the ballpark probably. Yeah. It's uh... – <clears throat> And you know, I, I we wish he, he would get healthy, Stanton. But yeah, that's that, those were. I saw that on social media, and I thought it was a joke. I thought somebody 
put it on there and slowed down the reel just for effect. And then I yeah. saw it on several other social mediums and I, I was, uh, I just put it out there on our website or our, our feed to just say, is this a joke? And, yeah. oh my gosh, we got about 400 comments on, you know, no, and, but none of them about the third base coach, as you, to your point, he did his job. He's supposed to send them. Um, yeah. and it looked like Stanton actually slowed up as he got yeah. close to the plate. I thought he might've got hurt again, but there's almost yeah. like a surprise the guy even threw home, but I guess he realized who it was and, and he did make a good throw. It would have been cuttable if, uh, if it was going to score because he threw like, you know, low enough. But, uh, again, I mean, speed is, is great. And that's, uh, it's a big plus. And, you know, he's not a, that slow runner when he's healthy, but, uh, that was the slowest I've ever seen a guy try to make a score run. Oh yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> time him with a calendar on that one. Yeah, you know, he's a big, he's a big guy, but he's a, he's a well proportioned athlete. He's always been a good athlete, but yeah, it's a shame with that. Do you want to segue into base coach? I know we, we want to talk about coaching first and third base because people have no idea just how intricate those two things are. And you, you had some special training as a young coach, if I remember right. Well, I was always a third base coach, you know, coaching and managing and stuff like that. And then I got my first job in the big leagues. I'm coaching first base. And I'm saying, it looks a lot different out there coaching first. And I thought all you had to do is tell, tell the guy to take a left-hand turn. But a good first base coach is very important. It's, they're underrated, I think. And first of all, another thing I like to say is the coaches' boxes on the fields, they're in the wrong place. They're marked wrong. First of all, a first base coach should be deep in the box. That The coaching box should be from the front of first base to down the right field line instead of from the back of the first base to toward home plate because you can't coach first base in front of the base, especially with nobody on. You have to be deep so that – if a, a hitter hits a ground ball to the left side of the infield where he doesn't see it, he got his head down, and all of a sudden the ball goes through the infield. The third base coach, if he's deep, he can redirect him towards second base. He can, you know, put his arm up and say, you know, take a turn, take a turn. But if he goes by you because you're down the line toward home plate, you can't communicate with him at all, so he's going to run right through the base when he probably had a chance of being the second base. So the, the good thing is at one time they're enforcing that rule where the coaches have to stay in the box. And uh, now that they kind of just, you know, forget about it. The only thing is they won't let you get any closer to the line than what the coaching box is. But even a third base coach, I mean, you can't coach third base from the coach's box, especially with a, with a guy in second base for sure. you got to be down the lines until you can stay ahead of the, of the runner. We'll get back to that. But just to finish off coaching first, you know, the first base coach, like his big, like I said, his positioning is big. And uh, you got to, when a runner's on first base, um, you got to position yourself so you can see the pitchers move, you know, pick up anything that he does. Maybe, uh, might be a shoulder, might be a foot or whatever. It's just, so, you know, you can tip off the runner. A lot of times you do that before the game and out all the uh, video and stuff like that. You can have a pretty good visual of what kind of move he has and so forth. But if you have a pitcher that has a, you know, he even has quick feet, but he's got a long arm action. You basically can take a little longer of a lead. Well, you want to get too far. But, I mean, a guy with a quick arm, short arm action, and quick feet, those are guys can pick you off. But the long arm guys, they can't get the ball to first base quick enough because it takes them too long to get rid of the ball. But, anyway, when you get on first base, the runner gets on there. First base got to remind him of the situation, the outs, the value of his run. Uh, he's got to tell him, you know, look for a sign, anticipate a sign. The guys who miss signs are the ones that don't anticipate it. If you got on first base and – you know, it might be a bunt in order. You got to anticipate looking for a bunt sign, 
or maybe hit and run, anticipate the hit and run sign. So look for the sign while you're on the base. You can't look for the sign. You know, the only time you take your eye off the pitcher is when you're on the base. Um, does it, you know, and the first base coach will remind him, does, you know, the catcher will throw behind you. He'll try to pick you off. So, be, you know, after your secondary lead, the ball's not hit, get back to the base quickly. Uh, remind him not to get thrown out of third base for the first or third out. You know, if you get the second, you know, you can't get thrown out. We all talked that before. You get thrown out of third base with, with nobody out, it's bad base running. You say it's second base with nobody out, you still can score with two more outs. You can score from second base, you know, ground ball, fly ball, you can score. But if you go to third and get thrown out, that's not good. Same thing as getting there to two outs. <clears throat> Unless you can make it standing up, you should never get there out, thrown out third with two outs because you're on second base, you stay there, you're still in scoring position on the base hit. <clears throat> Remind with two outs, two outs and two strike situation. Uh, two outs and two strikes on a hitter. You get your secondary lead. Once you see the hitter starting to swing, you got to keep going. I mean, two things can happen. You hit the ball, you can strike out. If he strikes out, the inning's over. If he hits the ball, you got a better chance of making an extra base. Of course, you have to always check where the infielders and outfielders are playing so that, you know, you know if you're going to take the extra base or not. Where if it's less than two outs, you know if the ball is going to drop. I mean, good base runners can read the ball off the bat and figure out if the outfield is going to catch or not. But if you don't anticipate that and you don't know where they're playing, a lot of times you, you're leading off and your secondary lead and you're drifting off as a fly ball that has no chance of getting caught and you could be on third base if you didn't know where they were playing at first. Yeah. Repeat that. No, Bob, I, think that's the most I think it's one of the most important things is, you know, all those things are important, but, you know, knowing the outs and checking the depth of your outfield. Um, yeah. It's huge. Repeat that for the, for the audience because that is a mistake I see at the major league level and I see it all the way down to the younger levels, not just from a, is the ball going to drop or not standpoint, but from, am I going to take that extra base? Um, you know, how am I going to, how am I going to, in which, in which capacity am I going to advance? So re- repeat your points on that. Cause I think that's, it's, it's that important. Well, the thing, you know, you want to, when you're on first base, your mentality is I want to get to third base. So you want to think about, you know, getting a good jump. But if you know where the outfielders are playing, you know, left or right, in or out, you got a better chance of reading that fly ball, that blooper, and so forth. And also knowing the outfielders' arms. I mean, that's something that, you know, we used to watch them when they take infield. Nobody takes infield anymore. But in between innings, you can watch the outfielders throw, and you can get a good idea what kind of arm they have. But, uh, again, it's like the more you play the team, the more you know them, of course. But just little things you got to anticipate before it happens. If you know where uh, infielders are playing, nobody outfielders are playing, you can anticipate a lot more you know, successfully than you can if you don't know where to play. You can't run blind. Another thing is you got to tell them you can't get this, they can't let the second baseman tag you on a double play situation. Ball hits the second base, you can't let them tag you. You got to backpedal, you got to do something. If you let them tag you, it's going to be easy to double play at first base. So don't let them tag you. Maybe you can slide into them. Knock them down. I think that's legal in between baselines. Probably not legal at second base, but uh, you know, just anticipate what you're going to do. The big thing is anticipate, and first base coach communicate with you. He shouldn't have to, but he's going to remind you all the time. Even number outs, he's going to tell you how many outs are, and that's just part of being a first base coach and part of communication. That was one of my favorite things as a second baseman that um, that runner that wasn't aware. And you could time your fielding enough to where you could you could field tag and throw to first. It's 
I, I agree with you. That that's a that's a no no. Well, another thing is a no no, and I've seen it happen. It happened in our game the other day. It happens all the time. The runner steals second base. He doesn't peak. Um, balls hit, foul off. I mean, hit you know like a pop up somewhere. He slides into second base and shortstop second base takes him like it's going to be a double play ball. And he doesn't know where the ball is. And next thing you know, he can't get back. It's a double play. I mean, first of all, safety factor, you got to peek in. If you practice when you sprint, peeking in, it's not going to slow you down. You should always know where the ball is when you're stealing a base. And uh, it's just, uh, I don't know, it's a, just a little baseball 101 as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Another thing the first base coach has got to do, if the runner's playing, the first base is playing behind you. you can, you're, again, you're the, uh, you're the base runner's eyes. So, you got to watch him. If he starts creeping toward the base as a pitcher delivers the ball, you got to alert him that it might be a pickoff on him. Now, another situation, too, is like three and two, two outs. Right, a lot of times, with three and two, two outs, the first baseman will hold the runner on. Now, as the pitcher's in a stretch, he'll start drifting off. He'll start backpedaling to get where he wants to be when, you know, when the ball's delivered. So once he starts backpedaling, you tell the runner, look, if he backpedals, I'm going to say, all right, all right. And if I'm saying, all right, you got to walk and leave. So that'll give you a little jump to, towards second base and possibly get to third base that you wouldn't have been there. But that little extra jump by you telling them you're all right, you're all right, is a, is a big thing. Yeah, and they're one of the phrases that I remember as a player, I use it now too, is when you're that guy making that movement, obviously you don't want to get, get picked on that, but you, uh, you want to make the infield make a play to first base. You want to right. get a good enough secondary, a good enough jump on it to where they've got to throw across the diamond. And right. uh, that, that's another one of those lazy things I hate to see on when I'm watching it on TV. And um, a guy at 322, I saw, I think I told you, it's a minor league game the other day. I won't I won't bang on the, the club, but 3-2, two, two outs, runners on first and second. Guy in first base takes off, guy in second does not. Guy in first base almost overran the guy and said, thank God that the hitter fouled it off. Um, and then uh, God, and then the second pitch, neither guy ran. Both, the third pitch, the guy in first almost overran the guy in second that way. That was, that was at least $250 worth of fines right there, I would imagine. What was the coach doing? Did he tell him? Well, he, he had his stopwatch out. <laughs> yeah, didn't say a word on either one. Third base coach didn't say a word. I mean, after and, the first that doesn't run, you'd think he'd jump him. Yeah, yeah. Well, I thought there would have been uh, at least the first time. It happened three times. And wow. I watched him as I came back in the dugout. Nobody said a word to him there. Um, we had we had our we had our a group of youth players there, sixteen and under, and uh, and they caught it. And they're like, "You wouldn't have embarrassed us on the field." Well, I said, "Well, you do it once. No, you do it twice. Possibly three times. I'm probably substituting you on the, on the fly right there. Yeah. You obviously have some sort of." He's <laughs> a little, little slow cognitively right there. But, uh, yeah, you get on your base coaches. Somebody should have said something to, to those guys. But those are professional players. I mean, you think by that time they've got that stuff down, but uh, apparently not. Does, is that a byproduct, Bob, do you think? Now, we've reduced the minor league system. There's no longer, let's say, development leagues. And <clears> these, <throat> you know, I would think and – the, and the guys coaching at the lower leagues – are guy a lot of guys that have never played before, younger guys. I would think, again, this is me thinking logically, so it's probably going to get me in trouble. I would think, number one, that that, thing, that type of stuff would be impressed upon them daily. Base running would be, if nothing else, learn how to run the bases. And second, that there'd be a lot of veteran coaches, guys with experience like yourself, um, 
being asked to, to, to dig down at that level to make sure that our, our foundation at the pro level is, is sound. Well, you know, no doubt about that. I've said all along, the most important thing in a minor league is for the coaches, somebody to coach the coaches. A lot of coaches were players. Some, I think they all played, maybe not professionally, but they all played somewhere. Some coach somewhere. But somebody's got to teach them how to coach. I mean, it's not just a matter of, you know, I played, I know what I'm doing, but just like that. I mean, you got to teach them, and the timing of the coaching is very important. When you, when you say something to a kid, but you got to know the fundamentals. And, you know, like I, I was fortunate when I ran the minor leagues for the Red Sox, I was the field coordinator plus develop, uh, player development director. But I had managed every level in the minor leagues. I coached in the big leagues. I had some great coaches coming up. I learned quite a bit. I took a lot of notes. We made a, a manual of, of how we're going to do things in the minor leagues. Everybody took batting practice the same way. Everybody ran the bases, you know, stuff we're talking about right now. We stressed that. And like I told the kids, I said, when the game's all over, but when, when we put an evaluation, we're going to say, what can you do to help a team win? Now, if you can't run the bases or you're running the outs, don't win the stop, you can't help a team win. So you can hit 300, but you can't help a team win. But that's something that, you know, teaching is – most important thing, but you need teachers to know how to teach. And that's where someone experienced as a coach, teacher, and a player can, you know, improve a coach to teach. I mean, I, I saw a guy coaching third base. I might have said this once before in, in A-ball. He didn't know where to stand. We're going to coach in third base pretty soon. But he may have had to make his decision too soon because he was ready to third base when he waved the guy home. So he didn't, you know, he didn't give him enough chance for himself to make a decision to send him or not send him. But that's just little that's techniques that you think is common sense, but somebody had a, had a coaching, and he didn't get any coaching from somebody up above. Yeah, no, those are great points. We often forget about that with the coaches that they don't they're not born or drop into a situation with innate knowledge. They too have to learn and gather experiences, and, and often make mistakes to to develop the right way. But those mistakes can be circumvented by by things like you have. I mean, you have publications, you have things written up. Uh, you know that here's Here's the guidelines of how we want to do things. That I don't know that that stuff's being done anymore, and I think that stuff's invaluable. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, like I said, when I did it, I felt like it was school. Like I said, the big thing you talk inside, you do it outside. We used to sit in front of a chalkboard or something. We could diagram plays and diagram like rundowns or relays and cutoffs or even base running. You can you know show them the, the path you got to take when you make a turn on around the base, and you talk about it and then you go out and do it. But it's it's like school. I mean, it's you're a teacher, and you're a coach, and you're a teacher. But uh, it's you know a lot of guys are managers, and they don't think they have to teach. But you know the best managers. I mean, Jimmy Williams is a tremendous teacher. Dusty Baker is a great teacher, and those what make good managers. But they learn the game, they learn how to teach, then became managers. And I just think that more guys have to learn how to teach. And I think unfortunately, some of the people who are running the player development department never coached themselves. So now what can they do to help them? They might hire the field coordinator, which they should, and I think they all have, and hopefully they can teach everybody else. And they have coordinators, you know, pitching coordinator teaches the pitching coaches, and hitting coordinator teaches the hitting coaches. But I don't know how much is done. I mean, by watching it to finish product, it doesn't look like a whole lot's done in some in some places. But, you know, the game's not an easy game. It's a tough game to play. But the more you know about the game, the smarter you are, and the more chance you have of being a better player. Yeah, smart wins. I'll say that. I like smart and I like speed. I'm with you on that. 
yeah. that combination. <clears throat> so what about third base? I mean, what's give us some of the nuances of, of coaching third base. You talked about initially the depth of the coach as that guy's rounding. I don't want to skip steps on you. I know you get, you've got a yeah, rhythm. But, but, yeah, but third base coach, to me, the most important thing that he can do is give the science. And uh, I always said, you're better off having both teams know him than neither team. Some <laughs> coaches with the science are signed bad. They're signed so bad that nobody gets them. I was one minor league team about six, seven years ago. I watched one of our minor league teams and coaches. Yeah, my guys can't get the signs. I said, what are they? He said, it's first touch. I said, that's, that's what's wrong with it. First of all, when a player's looking at you, he might be looking at you, but he's not seeing you. In other words, first touch and all of a sudden you can't touch other things. He forgot what the first touch was. So I say the best way to give signs is our indicator. Like when I coached, I use the same signs every year. My indicator was a peak of my hat. So the, the runner or the hitter, all they do is look into And once they see the peak of the hat, then they got another next sign that's going to be the sign that's on. And uh, so I, I go to flash all kinds of signs, touch your chest, touch your legs, touch your ears, touch your, you know, whatever. I go to the peak of my hat. Now that's the indicator. Next sign is what we're going to put on, fun, hit and run, steal, whatever. So now that the, he focuses on that. Another thing is, if you see a guy a little confused, you can do it again. You give the same sign twice. But if you use the first sign, you can't give the sign again because what's the first sign? So I always say you got to use an indicator. And uh, and you can disguise your signs enough. I mean, you can go to the indicator, and then you have a wipe-off sign. So you go to the indicator, and then put your, say, your bunt on, and then go across your chest with the wipe-off. So it's on. Put the in a bunt down, wipe it off. But that can be a little scary too, because sometimes once they see the bunt, they stop looking at you. And another thing, the players, you got to insist the players keep looking at you until you stop giving signs. So, uh, you know, there's, there's different ways to disguise it, but the indicator is the only way to go if you're really going to be efficient. But teams that don't get signs are like suicide. I mean, especially hit and run. The hitter gets it, the runner doesn't get it, the hitter's swinging a ball in the dirt or up and away, and a runner doesn't doesn't go. So, given the signs, to me, one of the most important things a third base coach can do. And you, again, you have to have a takeoff sign too. So, uh, and a lot of times, you know, I tell you what, sometimes the best sign is your your uh, indicator, and then you put the bunt on, and you go back to the indicator. That's a takeoff. So I go my hat, my face is the bunt. I go down my body and so forth, and I go back to my hat. Now it's off. So it's like uh, you got again. You got to practice it. You know, you have team meetings, so to speak, and you know, you go over the signs. Like, you know, if anybody missed one, you go to go over the next day. But if they concentrate, and anticipate, they're not going to miss signs. And like I said, missing a sign is like suicide. All right, third base coach. Uh, first of all, you got to position himself with runners on base that all all the players can see him, hitter and hitter and the base runners, so you can see his signs. Now, with a man on second base. He's got to go down the line so you get the angle to see where the shortstop's going. If he's going to try to pick him off, you can see the daylight or how much between him and the runner. So you get down the runner, down the line. Plus, with a man in a second, you get down the line. So if the guy, if the runner or the hitter gets the base hit, the runners come around third. You got to stay in front of him as long as you can until you make up your mind you're going to send him or you're going to stop him. And all runners should be uh, schooled. You're running all the way till they stop you. So he's running hard around third, and all of a sudden, you know, I might be halfway down the line sometime. All of a sudden, the way the play develops, i got to stop him. So I can stay in front of him, I can still stop him, and send him back to third. Now, like I said, this one coach, he's a bad position. 
And uh, I've seen big, big league coach in a bad positioning. Also, they got to make the decision too soon. Once the runner gets by you, you can't stop them. And I've seen guys get thrown out, you know, with no outs, which is terrible. That's that's a you know baseball saying you get thrown at home play with nobody out. Even one out's bad enough. But with two outs, you can take a chance. But you shouldn't have to take a chance with no outs. Maybe a little bit of chance with one out, but no chance with two outs. You just you got to send it with you know two outs, but you just can't take a chance with nobody out inside throw it out for the first out. So <clears throat> when you run on third base. You got to get a little deeper, get almost even with the base. So you watch the third baseman. You can't let him get picked off. Like I said, the coach is the base runner's eyes. The base runner's watching a pitcher, watching a hitter make contact, so forth. But if I see the third baseman uh, sneaking in as the pitcher delivers the pitch, I know he's probably going to put the pick off on. So I'll tell the guy, be careful, careful. So that's, uh, you know, that's your position. But being in the right position and, and being enough. Uh, Agility to move down the line quick and they move back to pick up the next runner is very important. So once you send, once you say his base loader or something, two guys on, runner second, he's scoring. You wave him home, but he's going all the way anyway. Now you got to come back to third and pick up the runner coming in third to let him slide or tell him, you know, stay up or whatever. <clears throat> but your signals are, you know, you wave your arm, tell him to keep going. If you stop him, you get both arms up and find the ball. Just put both arms up, stop him, and point to the ball. And tell him to find the ball. Uh, slide, you know, if it's going to be a close place, you, you, you tell him which way to slide. Slide left, slide right. And uh, if there's not going to be a play, you just, you know, you stop him. But, you, you know, tell him to, you know, make a turn and find the ball. The big thing is find the ball once you're safe at a base. Don't just put your head down and wipe yourself off. Find the ball all the time. An infielder, an outfielder can fumble the ball a little bit. And by the time the coach tells him to go, it's too late. The runner should, as soon as he sees it, should go on his own. So that's what I say about that. So with the, and, and I think a, an important point is I see runners, they, they get out or they make mistakes when they're indecisive. You're taught, your, your messages to runners is that you're moving and it's the job of the base coach to stop you. Right. The third, third base coach, all he does really is to stop, to stop the runners. All he does is stop the runner. The runners, you know, his, his mentality is, I'm going to score. I'm going around third, but I'm going to score. Now, he may know in his mind he's not going to score, so he may know that, you know, not going to be, I have no chance of scoring. But when in doubt, you go run as hard as you can. And the third base coach, he'll stop you if you can't score. But don't wait for the third base coach. You know, don't slow down yourself and wait for the third base coach to start you up again. That doesn't work too well. I like that. Those are the nuances that create smarter, better base runners, too, that, that decisiveness as well. So um, what about communication when there's a guy in second base, the third base coach, you, you always right. use the word careful yeah. when you want to, to reset, go through that again quick. Okay. Well, I always, what I did, I always said, I'm going to say, all right, careful. All right. Means you're okay. No one's trying to pick you off and good. Now, if I say careful, that means you better get back to where you can get back and be safe when the pitcher spins. The runners should always just watch the pitcher. Don't turn your back. I got the I got the infielders. You got the pitcher. So if we <clears throat> there's nothing on, I'd say, all right, all right, all right. And again, in the minor leagues, it's a little bit easier. In college, high school, a little easier. Sometimes the big leagues, it gets no noisy. But I think you can still hear them. We say, all right, all right, all right. So if the steel is not on, you get your 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 lead, which is probably two steps and a dive, and uh, you just stay right there. 
Now, excuse me, if we put the steel on, as I'm saying, all right, you got to walk and leap. And the faster I say, all right, the faster you can leap. But now all of a sudden, an infielder, shortstop, or second baseman wants to slide in there to maybe put a pickoff on. Once they say, careful, you got to get back to your original leap. And just keep watching the pitcher. The pitcher's the only one that can pick you up. Second baseman, shortstop, can't. But if they get in a position where they might cover the base, and I say, all right, I mean, yeah, I say, yeah, careful, you got to get back where you were if you started getting a little bigger lead. So you're all right and careful is what you have to say. You know, back, I don't believe that third base coach ever say back because by the time you say back, it's too late. Because, again, the, the coach is watching the base runners. The uh, runner is watching the pitcher. So if the runner sees him spinning, he'll get back if, if he gets back to the original lead when I say careful. So it's like uh, – Again, I'm not watching the pitcher. I'm the third base coach. I'm not watching the pitcher. And a lot of times, an infielder yells back. And the runner's all of a sudden, boom, he goes back when the infielder yells back. So I'm not big on saying back. I mean, you're probably going to say back eventually once you see, you know, the play develop. But if you say back and the runner hasn't already gotten back, he's probably going to get picked off. It's too late. Yeah. Well, even when you're saying it right now, I, I, I'm in the mode of base runner. And the physiology of when you say back makes me get tense. When you say careful, it, it keeps me relaxed. And I don't know yeah. why that is. But, but just uh, slide back to where you're going to be. And some of you say, well, the thing is, when you say, all right, all right, when the steel is not on, the infielders don't, you know, they don't pay attention. Now you say, all right, all right, and the steel is on, they're still not paying attention because you've been saying all game, so to speak. Yeah. So it's not you're giving anything away. But we've got a lot of big jumps, and stealing third base is very important, especially one out. But, uh, Again, it's like, you know, it's a way of communicating and being in their eyes so they get a little bigger, bigger jump. Now, in the two-outs situation, you know, a lot of guys will tell the runner, get a bigger lead, get a bigger lead. But to me, a two-out situation, your idea, you got to score. So I want the runner to get a little deeper in the line, so to turn around third is a little bit easier, get a little deeper, and uh, take your normal lead, but get a real aggressive secondary lead. But I've seen a lot of guys give signs, you know, like, you know, spread their arms apart, you know, get a bigger lead, bigger lead. Well, when you get a bigger bigger primary lead, you can't take an as, as aggressive secondary lead because you'll ever get picked off from the catcher. Yeah. So I say, you know, stay a normal lead, just get a, a real quick and bigger secondary lead. So you lean in toward third base as the ball gets to the home plate, gets to the hitters, hit, hitting area. I like that. And you continue on the ball's hit. Shorter, huh? deep, shorter, deeper primary Bigger, more aggressive secondary. I always tell the kids that. I like that that, that yeah. phrase you're doing. Well, the thing is, you don't want to get run back. If you get a big lead, I mean, when I play shortstop, I run the guys back all the time. If I want to play a runner in one spot, I go a little more to the right, and you got a little bigger lead, I dart back, and I tell the pitch, I'm going to dart him back. When he goes back, pitch. And so if he's got a bigger lead, he has to dart back. He has to go back because I'm darting, you know, he thinks I'm going to pick him off. Yeah. So I dart him back, and he go back, and then the pitcher uh, pitches, and he can't get a very good secondary lead. So you should never get run back on second base. I like that. No, I, I like the dart. Picked up a couple extra things this week uh, from me. I appreciate you. I'm, I know you, you always share with me some of the stuff you've written up, and I love reading it. It helps me not only um, – I always love continuing to learn the game. It, it helps us with preparation for the shows, but I use so much of it, Bob, and it, it's a refresher for me as well, even at the age of 50. But um, – what, what did we miss today? And I think we gave the audience a deep dive into a couple of key components to baseball that, that, that all three are often overlooked uh, with 
you know, with the contact plays, both O and D, nuances of coaching first, nuances of coaching third. And of course, we got, you know, the base running on on all sides of that. So what uh, what, what do we miss and what, what do we want to kind of tease the audience for next week? Well, you know, science is, you know, when you run a team, you got to have science for, you know, bunt defense, first and third off and defense, uh, infielders, outfielders. Uh, you know, science said, you know, all sign like keep the runner off second base. You know, you're up by, you know, one run, two runs, or even, you know, whatever. And it's a, you know, hitters up and you want to keep the runner off with a man on second base. You hit the top of your head, which means keep the runner off, hit, keep the hitter off second base. In other words, it's not that important to throw home because you're up by three or four runs. You want to keep the double play in order. So unless you know you can get them, throw the ball right to second base. And most of the time, a runner will not try to score unless he knows he's going to score anyway. So if he knows he's going to score, just throw the ball to second base. But remind the outfielders. I mean, the worst thing that happens is, you know, base hit to the outfield. The outfielder tries to throw a guy out of home. He throws too high over the cutoff man's head or control man's head, and batter runner goes to second base. Well, you got to remind the outfielder, look at Make sure you, you throw low enough that's cuttable or else throw right to second base. Um, another one is when you wave your hand behind your head, that means, you know, play a little deeper. In other words, don't don't allow a double, you know, don't, don't allow the ball to get over your head with extra base hit. So those are just um, signs that you got to remind the infielders to give to the outfielder. And there's other signs, you know, team signs you have for pickoff plays and depth of infield, you know, one, two, three, four, and stuff like that. But that's something I know most coaches – have their own signs, own way of communicating to the fielders in the field. How do you move an outfielder in? What's that? How did you move an outfielder in? Well, I just, uh, I just, you know, come, you know, wave toward me. But uh, I used to, you know, I was big on, you know, you watch the hitter and you watch, even like when they coach in the big leagues. And we go over the defense, we play certain guys certain ways. Okay, so we had charts in those days, not as sophisticated as they are now, I guess. But, you know, we had, we had charts and, uh, you said, okay, you're going to play this guy, slight opposite, slight pull. We didn't overshift in the infield like they do now. You said, you know, strong pull, slight opposite, slight pull, stuff like that. But before we left, they said, okay, let me tell you something. You're going to play this, play that. We can tell the guys, you know, how deep. Some guys have power, some guys don't. But usually in the big leagues, you know what the hitter is, how deep to play him, according to the situation. But I always say you play the situation first, you play the hitter second. So if you can't afford, you know, can't afford him to get a double, you got to play a little deeper, even though he's not really that strong a hitter, but you can't let the ball go over your head. But uh, and the most important thing we all said, you know, Larry Bow and I, he did infielders, I did the outfielders. We talked all the time before we had a meeting, but watch the game. You see a guy that, you know, he can't get around on a fastball, he's probably going to hit the ball the other way. I mean, in the old days, we always had your know, off outfielder, right-handed hitter, the right fielder would be to play in and over toward the line with two strikes. Because in those days, they don't want to strike out, but they put the ball in play. Nowadays, you don't know if the guy's a 2-0 count or 0-2 count. They swing the same way. So that theory kind of out the, out the drain or down the drain. But the big thing is for the infielders out there, watch the hitter, watch the pitcher. The pitcher can't get the ball cross corner. He probably, you know, the hitter's probably not going to hit the ball the other way. He's probably going to pull the ball. But watch the way he's swinging. And then, I mean, that was a shortstop. The fun part of the game was trying to figure out where he's going to hit the ball. And you can tell by certain hitters swing, you know, they've got that pull swing, they roll over a lot, and they're going to pull a ball as against keeping the bottom hand through and hitting the ball the other way. But that's the fun part of playing the game. I mean, now they pull a thing out of their back pocket and tell them where to play. Uh, I don't know. I mean, that's not, that's not real baseball, but that's the new techniques. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 
we'll have to discuss uh, that some week to kind of describing the new versus the old. But, uh, but I think it's a great show this week. Our audience got a ton out of uh, the deep dive that you give into all your topics here, but coaching the bases, the nuances, and and of course the contact plays. And we get we you know we're not siloed with the approach. We're talking everything around it, so it's a three sixty degree view, which is hard to do on a audio only show. But you, you're you're able to do it, which is amazing. But um, no, Bob, I, pre- I appreciate the show. Gosh, episode two forty six now already. I can't believe we've done that many. Touch them all with Bob Schaefer here on Real Voices of the Game Network. Um, what do you want to leave the audience with, Bob? Anything, anything big? Or did you get well, your question from all today? Question and answer is probably the best way. Yeah. <clears throat> Although some of the stuff we talked about, uh, you want to be redundant, but you know, watch a game on TV. You watch a game in your backyard or wherever your kids playing, and see if they can send you some questions about what you would, you, what would you do in this situation, or why they do this, or what was that, or you know, even point out uh, mental or physical errors they make, and we'll talk about them. But I like, like I said, the smart players anticipate and they uh, and they execute and uh, communicate with other you know players on a team, especially defensively. But anticipation is the most important thing to make the right decision and uh, play it again the right way. That's right. Anticipation is that connector between smarts and speed, right there. I think it's a, it's a great way to tie it up today. But uh, Bob, thanks so much for a wonderful show again. Uh, our audience is very sophisticated. They eat your stuff up like candy. They love it. Um, as do I with our show next week. We'll be back with you guys next week and we'll be uh, touching on some of these questions that are asked by our audience to make sure that Bob is able to satisfy your appetites. But uh, Bob, thanks again. We got episode 246 in the books, Real Voices of the Game Network. Touch them all with Bob Schaefer. Bob, thanks again. All right. Thank you.